your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 521 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you were hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers, it is Monday night as I'm recording this. They just completed an exhilarating 3-2, six-round shootout victory against the visiting Los Angeles Kings, paying the Kings back for a defeat that they dealt to the Rangers exactly two weeks ago to the day, in fact. But the Rangers get them back tonight. They win the game in that shootout despite trailing for most of the third period. They get a late goal by Barclay Goodrow, Panarin to Goudreau in deep. Goudreau tips it into the net. In fact, those two almost linked up for a very similar goal a little bit earlier in the third period. So it was nice to see that they went back to it, were able to uh, make it happen the second time. And then you get a pretty crazy uh, three-on-three, or actually it was more of a four-on-four overtime period because the Rangers actually had a power play at the end of regulation. It spilled into the overtime period. Then, of course, you play four-on-three, and then if the, you know, if the power play ends, it's four-on-four until the next whistle, and so there was a ton of four-on-four time then, uh, you know, after the power play expired. It ends up going into the shootout. Like I said, it went six rounds, and uh, Adam Fox with the walk-off shootout goal, and just a beautiful move. You know, he goes in a little bit up the left side, uh, skates back to the right, pulls the puck back to his backhand, and lifts it into the net. And it's funny because watching it live, I actually thought that maybe he missed the net entirely because I just didn't see the puck. And then on the replay, uh, I realized, as I'm sure a lot of you did as well, that the reason that the puck kind of went out of sight so fast is it was actually stuck in the roof of the net. So just a perfect shot uh, right over Jonathan Quick. Uh, I thought both goalies, by the way, were absolutely just tremendous in this game. Uh, The Rangers, you know, their only two goals of the game both came as the result of deflections. And watching this game, it felt like that was uh, really the only way that you're going to get one past Jonathan Quick tonight. He has really turned back the the clock, and I got to believe somebody in the running for the uh, Comeback Player of the Year award, maybe. You know, I I think that he could be uh, at least a candidate for that. But uh, just awesome by the Rangers in the shootout as well because they were twice down to their final shooter, so to speak. It was a situation where, okay, this player must score or else they lose. Uh, You had the Kings scoring in the top of the third, quote-unquote. Kopitar uh, went in with a lot of speed and snapped off a really quick shot. And then Artemi Panarin was out there for the bottom of the third, and he had to score to keep the game alive. He does exactly that. Uh, He goes wide up the left side, moves back into his right, and moves so slow, but all these quick little stick handle moves on the doorstep and uh, eventually got quick to... Open up a little bit, goes five hole and scores and keeps the game alive. And then a little bit later, going into now the fifth round of the shootout after neither team could score in the fourth round, you've got Quentin Byfield, the number two overall pick from uh, 2020. He goes in, makes a really nice move. You know, he went in uh, up the right side, came back to his left. But as he was moving across the crease, he actually shot back to his right and scored. So now Alexi Lafreniere, the number one overall pick from the 2020 NHL draft, has to score to keep the game alive. And he does exactly that as well. Went in with a good amount of speed. Uh, went to his backhand, and once again, five-hold Jonathan Quick. Uh, so he scored, kept the game going, and set the stage for Fox's heroics. So 
Uh, was it a perfect game for the Rangers? Uh, no, absolutely not. They got off to uh, a really rough start in the first period. You know, and this has really kind of become a little bit of a trend recently. I would say really the last four games, you've seen a situation where, uh, you know, the Rangers just don't really put their best foot forward at the drop of the opening faceoff. That's just kind of how it's been. Uh, we're not at the point where I'm ready to panic about this or worry that it's going to be, you know, an issue for the rest of the entire regular season and into the playoffs. But, you know, I got to sort of throw the challenge flag to the Rangers a little bit here and tell them, hey, you know, it's time to step it up a little bit in, uh, you know, the early portions of some of these games. Now, mind you, Despite the Rangers getting off to a slow start in all of the last four games, they are three and one in that time. They came storming back to beat the Leafs six to three. Uh, they lost to the Carolina Hurricanes. That just wasn't a good night for the Rangers overall. Obviously, really rough start against the Coyotes. Came storming back and won that one seven to three. And then, of course, this game that just concluded uh, about half an hour ago. Here, the Rangers come back. They tie the game late in the third period. And really, I mean, they, they played well from the second period on. I thought. Um, but they tie it in the third period. They were really swarming in the third. You know, it felt like even watching the third period, you know, they were getting close to scoring a lot of good scoring opportunities. It felt like the equalizer was on the way. It took a little bit longer than I, I think a lot of us maybe would have expected, certainly longer than I would have expected, uh, but they got the game-time goal. It went into overtime, and like we said, at that point, the stage was set for uh, just an exhilarating shootout win for the Rangers, and it's funny because anytime your team wins in the shootout. It's so much fun. It's so exciting. It's so much uh, just fun to watch, you know, some of the best players in the world do what they do. You know, two uh, high-quality goalies and net for each team here in the shootout and just some fantastic players, you know, getting an opportunity to just go in one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. I know people have some mixed feelings about it, but man, it feels good to win games in the shootout. And I think, you know, despite it being something of a skills competition and not real hockey, as some people like to call it, I still think it beats the alternative of, you know, sitting around and watching a hockey game that's usually going to be two and a half hours, maybe two hours and 45 minutes for the games that run a little bit longer, and ending with a tie. You know, ties used to be just so common, and they would always leave you just feeling so empty at the end of the game. It was like, okay, you know, we got a point. It was a tie, you know, and it just wasn't really that much fun. I'll take a shootout over that any day of the week. And, uh, you know, of course, I'll take the shootout win here tonight with the Rangers, uh, you know, coming through once again in six rounds to take down the Kings. It's actually the second time this season that the Rangers have won uh, a shootout that went into uh, extra innings, quote-unquote, extra rounds, whatever you want to call it. If you recall earlier this season, they had a seven-round shootout with the Devils, and they won that one too. So, uh, again, just a, a really exciting win for the Rangers. Was not perfect, but uh, they continue this theme of just finding a way to get it done. And also a theme of different players stepping up in different nights and different situations. We talked about how, you know, Panarin and Lafreniere both had to score to keep the game alive. They both did that. And Barclay Goodrow, uh, not necessarily the first person you would think to come through with a game-tying goal getting pretty late in the third period. But you know what? It's not that surprising either. Barclay Goodrow is up to eight goals this season, and he's out there with Panarin and Strom, and that never hurt anybody. So, uh, yeah, again, just, just a really solid win. They stuck together. They hung in there. They got the two points. And we're going to continue breaking down this exciting win for the New York Rangers in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.com. BetOnline, 
would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And just want to take a minute to thank everyone for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we'll get back to the highlights from this game in just a second. I did want to mention that it was also Pride Night at Madison Square Garden here. And, uh, you know, it goes kind of in lockstep with uh, the new slogan that the NHL has been using over the past couple of years here that hockey is for everyone. I mean, for me, I think this stuff should really just be common sense. Hockey's for everyone of any race, religion, sexual preference, height. I mean, literally anything. I, you know, we're all human at the end of the day, and nobody, you know, regardless of any of those things, should feel like they can't play or watch or, you know, commentate on hockey, whatever it might be. So uh, nice job by Madison Square Garden there. They always do such a nice job handling uh, really whatever it might be. You know, if you remember the other night, uh, they actually had a moment of silence at the start of the game for NYPD officer Jason Rivera, who was unfortunately shot and killed during what was, you know, a pretty routine call. And his partner, Wilbert Mora, was also shot. And uh, it sounds like Mora, even up to this very minute that I'm recording this, is still in the hospital fighting for his life. So obviously, uh, we keep our fingers crossed and hope that Mora can pull through. Um, but yeah, Madison Square Garden, man, they always just do a great job uh, w with all these things. And, uh, you know, Pride Night, hockey is for everyone. Uh, I think that's something that we can pretty much all agree on. And as far as the game itself, you know, turning our attention back to the hockey here, you know, we got to go through, uh, we'll get to the line combinations in just a second and kind of break that down. But I also want to just bring everyone up to speed on the injuries. Philip Hedl left the last game with an injury, and he was not available for this one. It sounds like he is day-to-day, -day, so uh, the Rangers don't play until Thursday. Decent chance it sounds like that he'll be back out there for that game. Uh, if he is day-to-day, -day, it would stand to reason that he at least has a chance to play in that game. They'll be at the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday, and then they'll be home against the Minnesota Wild on Friday. Uh, Capo Caco, however, it sounds like his uh, diagnosis is not quite as optimistic. Gerard Gallant, during his pregame presser today, said that he was week-to-week -week as opposed to day-to-day. -day. And if you look at the schedule right now, you got the two games I just mentioned, uh, then the Rangers are at home against the Seattle Kraken on Sunday, and then they're home against the Florida Panthers on Tuesday. And then after that, uh, they have a lengthy break of two weeks because February was supposed to be the three-week Olympic break, and they have added a couple of makeup games for the Rangers in the month of February now. But be that as it may, it's still going to be two weeks. So uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, based on Gallant's comments, Gallant said that, you know, Kako is going to be out for a little bit. And, you know, obviously we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed that he can get back sooner rather than later. And if he has to miss this next handful of games, uh, hopefully he can at least be back by mid-February when the Rangers pick their season back up at home against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday, February 15th. Uh, so that is the injury update. It's nice that at least, you know, talking. you don't want anybody to get injured. I mean, that's 
common sense. That's obvious. But it is nice that at least nobody is out of the lineup due to COVID because that was obviously becoming uh, quite an issue for a while. I'm not sure if the numbers are down around the league as far as players being out due to COVID. I haven't seen quite as many names popping up recently as far as guys being in the COVID protocol and missing games as a result of it. So that's obviously good news for many, many, many reasons. And in fact, Gordon Murphy was back on the bench for the New York Rangers. He had been in the COVID protocol for a little while. Uh, so it's obviously very nice to see him back, uh, you know, doing what he loves and back on the Ranger bench. Uh, another piece of Ranger news uh, that happened before this game is that Jared Tenorti was placed on waivers. And look, Jared Tenorti, his struggles this season, I don't think at all that it has anything to do with a lack of effort or anything like that. I, I think he's doing the best he can out there. But, you know, he is approaching 30, and I think he's one of those guys that's just going to be in a 7th or 8th defenseman kind of role. And with the Rangers having so many young defensemen coming up, and, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, obviously Lundqvist and Jones and Schneider's been in the lineup the last few games, it's gotten to the point where it's just kind of like, okay, I, like, there's no real reason to put Jared Tenorti back out there. And even tonight, uh, that's another thing we got to talk about. Patrick Nemeth was out of the lineup. Now, Gallant mentioned in his pregame presser that, he had a defenseman that was kind of banged up right now, and you know I, I think he kind of hinted at the fact that one of them might not play. That turned out to be Patrick Nemeth, so I don't think that we can call Patrick Nemeth a healthy scratch, at least as of yet. But I do start to wonder, you know, does that at least at some point become an option that's at least on the table? And I'm not necessarily campaigning for it, but Nemeth, you know, he, it's been a struggle for him at times this season. Braden Schneider has played w very well since they called him up. I thought he had a really nice game in this one tonight. And, you know, Libor Hayek was, was solid in this game. I, I didn't really notice him making any mistakes, you know, for somebody who hasn't played in a while. So, you know, you've got those two. You've got, you know, maybe Nils Lundqvist gets another chance at some point after he, you know, plays a few games in the AHL. Maybe Zach Jones is back in there. I don't know. I mean, Nemeth being a healthy scratch at some point is something that I think at least becomes an option. And maybe we'll dive into that topic in a little bit greater detail in a future episode. But I do want to kind of turn our attention back to the game here. Uh, you've got a top line that didn't last very long, but they started with a top line of Kreider, Mika, Panarin, which is exactly how the Rangers finished the game before this. You know, they were down 3-1 to one to the Coyotes. They were looking for a spark. They put those three together, and the Rangers basically took off from there. Kreider with the hat trick. You know, Mika getting all kinds of points. Panarin getting points. Uh, so it obviously worked, and they started with them there. But once again, the Rangers got off to a slow start. So it wasn't too long before uh, Panarin was back down with uh, Ryan Strom and Barclay Goodrow, and that line had a heck of a night for themselves. As we mentioned, uh, Strom to Panarin to Goodrow for the game-tying goal. That was one of two assists on the night for Artemi Panarin. But I thought they looked dangerous far more often than not whenever they were on the ice. So, yeah, overall, like I said all along, like I've said all along, excuse me, I just like the idea of Mika and Panarin playing on different lines. You spread the wealth a little bit, and uh, you know you boost a lot of uh, other players who are getting the privilege to play with those two guys. Um, then you had a third line, which is usually the third, li uh, fourth line of Kevin Rooney centering Greg McKeg and Ryan Reeves, and a fourth line of Morgan Barron centering Dryden Hunt and Julian Gauthier. And I'm actually okay with this because the McKeg Rooney Reeves line has really, really played well. I thought they were a standout line in the uh, last game against the Coyotes. And in this game, with the lineup the way that it was, you're almost kind of rolling with two fourth lines in a way. I mean, Gautier's not really a fourth liner, but you look at guys like Hunt and Barron, and they can play a fourth line style of game. 
And so you might as well reward this trio that's played so well. I mean, if they're penciled in as the third line, you got to figure they're going to end up getting a, a little bit more ice time as a result of that. And uh, again, you know, another strong night for that trio. Uh, they tend to bring it every single night. They play physical hockey. This is a physical game just in general. Both teams with 26 hits. It was a grinded out game to be sure. And we're going to continue breaking it down in just a second. I'm also going to dive into everything that happened between the Rangers and former New York Ranger, Brian Lemieux. We will get to that in just a second. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this whole Brian Lemieux situation here. And anybody who saw this game can probably agree with the refs that a five-minute major and a game misconduct was probably the way to go for what he did to Ryan Lindgren here. Uh, basically, the puck is around behind the Ranger net, and, you know, Lindgren's going to get it. He's into the corner. He plays the puck up the boards, and Brian Lemieux just absolutely unloads on him with a big-time hit from behind now in the smallest of slight, extremely small defenses for Brian Lemieux. When he first started approaching Lindgren, it was kind of from the side, but Lindgren turned in very short order there, and Lemieux had all the time in the world to stop and not hit him from behind and not drive him into the boards. He did not do that. He followed through with his check anyway. A dangerous play. Lindgren goes headfirst into the boards. There's a penalty. There's a play stoppage. Everybody goes after Brian Lemieux. Lindgren took a second. Uh, he ended up getting up. You know, he was down on the ice for just a second. Gets up, finds Lemieux, and cross-checks him from behind. So now, now you've got a situation where Lindgren is going off for two minutes for the cross-check, and Brian Lemieux, as we mentioned, the five-minute major penalty and the game misconduct. You had Lindgren and Lemieux chirping at each other. You know, Lemieux was sitting in the penalty box. Lindgren was over at the bench uh, for the time being. The refs reviewed it. They upheld the decision to, once again, give Lemieux a five-minute misconduct and kick him out of the game. And uh, Lemieux was basically booed off of the Madison Square Garden ice. So, a uh, unique situation here in that you're going to get two minutes of four-on-four -four play, and then the Rangers are going to have three minutes of power play time that will be contested under five-minute major uh, penalty rules. That, of course, meaning that if the Rangers score during their three minutes of power play time, they continue with their power play, as is usually the case for all five-minute uh, major penalties. But it took them a while. They did get a goal late in the first period. In fact, very late in the first period, just 2.3 seconds to go in the opening stanza. Uh, the Rangers, like we said, by this point, they're on the power play, and you get Chris Kreider scoring on a deflection. Goal number 30 for him. You had Panarin passing back to Fox. Fox carried the puck up the right side. Him and Panarin sort of switched positions. You know, Fox moved in deep. Panarin moved back toward the blue line to cover him. And, uh, you know, Fox passes to his left to Chris Kreider. Kreider with the tipping goal. One to nothing Rangers, which is 2.3 seconds left in the first period. And Kreider with that goal, now up to number eight all time on the Rangers list uh, for power play goals with 73. That puts him one ahead of Marc Messier. And anytime you pass Marc Messier in any kind of stat, really, that has anything to do with hockey, uh, you're doing something right. So obviously very cool to see Chris Kreider continue to climb that list. I mean, what else can you say? He's just had an absolutely phenomenal season. A lot of goals have been scored this way, A, on the power play, and B, via the tip-in variety. So uh, very nice to see the Rangers end up leading after one period. You know, they struggled early in this game, but they end up taking a lead into the first intermission. And then in the second period... The Kings do come storming back with a pair of goals themselves. You had Lazat going in on the rush, and he scores. And you have Alex Iafalo uh, scoring via a deflection late in the second period on the power play, which is 39 seconds to go in the middle stanza. 
And what's ironic about this is the Rangers win the first period one to nothing. The Kings win the second period two to nothing. I thought the Rangers played better overall in the second period than they did in the first period. But obviously, as we already talked about, they saved their best period of the game for last, you know, trailing two to one going into the third period, forcing the game into overtime, ultimately the shootout and getting the win. But you know, none of these goals were cheap. You know, with Lazat, at first it kind of looked like a little bit of a soft goal, but then you see the replay and you realize he was kind of using Jacob Truba as a screen. And on top of that, this was just a perfectly placed shot. Uh, went over Igor Shesterkin's right shoulder and into the top shelf just inside the far post. And then with Iafalo, as I already mentioned, it was a tip-in goal. Deflections are always tough as a goalie. You weren't really going to beat these goalies clean tonight. I mean, there was going to have to be a situation where... You know, their their vision was blocked or there was a deflection of some kind. Uh, that was the case, really, for all four of the regulation goals. And then, of course, nobody could score in overtime. And it took seven rounds of a shootout to decide the winner in this game. Excuse me, six rounds of a shootout. But you get the idea. Both these goalies were absolutely fantastic. You had Igor Shesterkin making 34 saves on 36 shots and Jonathan Quick making 28 saves on 30 shots. So, uh, you know... Great display of goaltending in this game here tonight and a great win for the New York Rangers pulling it through in the six-round shootout. But one other highlight that I have to mention in the second period here, and this was with the game still tied at 1-1, to so had this been a goal for the Rangers, it would have given them a 2-1 to lead. This play by Artemi Panarin. You know, if there's any doubt about whether or not, I mean, I don't see how there could be any doubt, but if there's any doubt about whether or not this guy is one of the absolute best players on this planet, look no further than this play. You have him going up the right side. He faked Anderson absolutely out of his skates, pulled the puck, you know, to his backhand, roofed it. Uh, I thought it was in. The crowd thought it was in. Uh, the guy running the lights thought it was in because you, you saw those uh, spotlights that appear on the ice anytime that the Rangers score a goal. Uh, a couple of the Rangers went to celebrate for just a brief second, and then they realized, okay, you know, there's no goal being called here. I better keep playing. Um, but, yeah, off the crossbar and out. And as good as Jonathan Quick was on this night, he wasn't stopping this. If it was a half an inch lower, uh, we're looking at, you know, the number one play of the night, maybe the week. Maybe even the month, you know, somewhere on the uh, best plays of the month, I think you would have seen this this goal or, or near goal by Artemi Panarin. Um, just absolutely unreal stuff. And, uh, you know, even when even given the fact that he does this on such a routine basis, you're still just, like, left in awe when he makes a play like this. Uh, so, again, would have been just a phenomenal goal as it was missed it by uh, probably less than an inch there. And something else that I wanted to mention was, you know, the Rangers were kind of juggling their lines throughout this one. They started with the super stacked top line of Kreider and Mika and Panarin, and eventually they put Panarin back with Strom and Goodrow, and I thought that line had a nice night. But the beneficiary from that move, or at least one of them, was Julian Gauthier, because he actually got some time on the Ranger top line. So think about that. He goes from being a healthy scratch as recently as, I think, two games ago to now getting a chance to play with Mika and Kreider. And he came close a couple of times in this game to, you know, either getting a goal or an assist. The Rangers had a rush up the ice, and you had Kreider up the center of the ice. He passes to his right to Julian Gauthier, and then Gauthier with a really nice pass back to his left to Mika Zibanejad, but another nice stop made by Jonathan Quick there. And then in the overtime period, you know, still speaking about Gauthier here, uh, Gauthier was like a bull. You know, he, he went up the right side, pivoted, you know, hard to his left, going in at like kind of that 45-degree angle there, just charged the net and nearly stuffed it in from the doorstep. Uh, Quick got a piece of it. Gautier kind of crashed into Quick, and then the puck kind of 
trickled across the crease there, didn't quite go in. That would have been absolutely fantastic. You know, Gautier, one of those players that has been a little bit sneak-bitten at time, at times, excuse me. Um, to me, he's still kind of a dark horse as somebody that can eventually, you know, find his game at the NHL level. He, he flashes so much potential in the AHL, hasn't really put all the pieces together in the NHL. But plays like this remind you of the skill and, you know, that interesting combo of uh, speed and strength that he does bring to the table. And one other play that I have to mention here, just an outstanding hustle play by Mika Zibanejad. The Rangers were actually on the power play at this point in the game, and they're still down 2-1. to one, And the Kings force a turnover, and as this play's developing, I'm thinking, oh my god, it's about to be a two-on-none for the Kings while they're shorthanded. But Mika Zibanejad absolutely just busts his tail on the back check, darting up the center of the rink. And the Kings, you know, it's looking like it's going to be a two-on-none, but Mika gets himself into position, catches up to the play to take away the pass at least. So now the guy with the puck is one-on-one with Igor Shesterkin, and Shesterkin, you know, cools the other side of the pillow, able to make the save, steer the puck out of harm's way. But just an excellent play by Mika Zibanejad there because, you know, the way this game was going, and, and the Rangers did play very well in the third period, and they were buzzing. They had some uh, good scoring opportunities. But the Kings are a really good defensive team, and Jonathan Quick clearly had his A game in this one. So if Mika doesn't get back, and that's a two-on-none, and the Kings are able to score there, and who knows, maybe Igor makes the save either way. But if the Kings are able to score there, and Mika doesn't make that hustle play, it's now 3-1. to one. You're in the third period. You got a heck of a hole to climb out of. Not to say it would be impossible or anything like that. But yeah, entirely possible, if not probable, that the Rangers don't end up winning this game, if not for Mika Zibanejad busting his tail to get back on defense there. Cannot say enough about the play that Mika made there. Just an absolutely phenomenal all-around hockey player. And uh, not to bring up the Jack Eichel stuff, because I feel like, you know, finally that story has been laid to rest. He's with the Vegas Golden Knights now, but I'm still happy the Rangers chose to keep Mika Zibanejad rather than, you know, show him the door to bring in Jack Eichel. Mika, to me, is the better all-around player. He helps the Rangers win in just so many different ways, and that was on display with this play here. But I think that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Let's see. Was there anything else we want to get into here? Yeah, I mean, I, I already mentioned this, but I think the Rangers do need to get off to a little bit of a better start in some of these games. It's nice that they're coming back, but I want to see them on, in Thursday's game against the Blue Jackets come out and, and just fly and just be ready to play. Uh, the Jackets, not a great team, but definitely a hard-working team. So I think that's going to be a good test for the Rangers in that regard. The Rangers are going to be off Tuesday and Wednesday, so they'll have a little bit of a break. They should be able to go in there and uh, basically hit the ground running and hopefully uh, pick up another two points against a team that, quite frankly, they are better than. So we'll keep our eye on that. Very, very interested to see if the Rangers uh, can get off to a little bit of a better start in that one uh, than they have in some of these recent games. And I also just want to mention former New York Ranger Keith Yandel tying the NHL all-time record for consecutive games played with 964 against Doug Jarvis. He will, in all likelihood, break that record on Tuesday. So very, very cool to see a former New York Ranger as the new Ironman, or at least for now, tied with the uh, Doug Jarvis as the Ironman of hockey. Very, very cool to see. Uh, but yeah, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. 
Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.